Good. All right, we're live. Howdy. Uh, so this is the second episode streaming live from ETH Denver of Masari's Unqualified Opinions. I'm with Nadav from Dharma Protocol. A uh, lot of exciting stuff going on in crypto lending and decentralized finance applications in general. You guys are certainly top of that list in terms of the folks that are, are creating a, uh, quite a bit of buzz. I appreciate that. Thank and, you. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm super excited to play around. I just got the email that I was able to budge the waitlist line, which oh, I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had, I had signed up earlier today, and I think I was like 1,033 or whatever um, for, for Lever, and, uh, and then I got the notification that I'd been fast-tracked. Yeah, Maybe yeah. because I had to bribe him with a Periscope interview. I don't know. Yeah, there was a little bit of implicit <laughs> quick pro quo there. Yeah. Um, but uh, Lesson learned, folks. If you do nice things for us, we'll make sure we'll get you in the, uh, into the front of the line. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it borders on shameless in this industry, but I do, <laughs> I do the same exact thing, so it's all good. Um, so, uh, Nadav, we were at this event last year. I moderated a panel with him and, and several others, and I was floored that they weren't doing a token or an ICO. Uh, what, what is this outlandish thing you mean building on top of an open protocol and then actually building a business? And now we started to see some of the benefits of that. Obviously, the token market has, has, has gone down quite a bit. Um, many of the fly-by-net operations are, are getting their clocks cleaned. Um, and groups like you guys, uh, that have, have been focused on applications that people actually use um, have been picking up steam. So congrats on, on all the traction last uh, couple of quarters. Thank you so much. Um, big, big news, big product to talk about Lever yep. uh, today. So we're, we're going to dive right into that and mm -hmm. focus on that since it's the most current. And, uh, and I want to hear directly from you um, what the product is and, and really what the goals are as you roll it out over the coming quarters. Yeah, absolutely. So as, as a kind of quick overview of, of the concept behind Lever um, is, is we want Lever to be essentially the easiest way to borrow or, or lend any crypto asset with minimal crypto counterparty risk. Um, and primarily for the purposes of uh, what is the, the kind of current main use case of decentralized lending, um, which is margin trading, right? Um, and so we essentially kind of uh, built this product because um, we, we had originally launched our protocol as kind of open network in which anybody could go and build an application on top of it um, and kind of tap into this, this global network of credit liquidity. Um, but we quickly saw that one of the biggest bottlenecks for people actually tapping into this was um, just the massive kind of uh, onboarding friction that is the Ethereum space in general. Um, I think, you know, like we're in a little bit of an echo chamber where it's easy to forget that um, there are a lot more cryptocurrency users than just Ethereum users in general. Mm -hmm. um, and that at the end of the day, um, asking somebody to install a Chrome extension and write down a 12 word seed phrase and um, fiddle with gas and, um, and confirmation times and all sorts of like obtuse technical concepts um, is gonna wean out a lot of folks. Um, especially folks who are more trading oriented who are really just there to, to kind of, you know, like bet on the price. Um, and so we made a decision that we wanted to kind of package up the experience of borrowing and lending from the Dharma credit market uh, in like the most dead simple way possible um, and really try to like, uh, like hit, hit like a resonant frequency right in the middle of non-custodial and trustless, but also easy to use and, um, and kind of accessible to the average cryptocurrency user. What's interesting about the way that you guys have approached things, you know, I think about it a little bit like Augur and Vale, mm -hmm. right? Um, the Forecast Foundation 
took primary responsibility of, of ushering Augur, this open protocol for prediction markets, yeah. um, into usability, right? Mm -hmm. But they never intended to build their own services on top because mm -hmm. they wanted to make sure that, that other vendors were actually aggregating some of these markets and yeah. putting a skin on. Yeah. You guys have done both, right? Mm -hmm. So you started with Dharma Protocol, yeah. didn't go the token route, mm -hmm. um, and, and yet you kind of said from day one, there's, look, there's going to be this Dharma protocol, which is essentially um, aggregating global liquidity for originations, kind of the way that, that mm -hmm. I think about it, right? That's a good way to think about um, it, yeah. and, and then we're going to build all the value-added services on top because most people don't give a shit what's under the hood. Just, right. you know, so, so yes, other people could use Dharma protocol, um, but we need to actually make it usable on top. How, how did you guys think about managing those two components? Yeah. Um, and, and making sure that you didn't create any conflicts at the base protocol layer, yeah. given that you were starting centralized and, and knew that you were going to monetize this on top. Yeah, so so we have tremendous challenges ahead of us in terms of kind of shepherding both an open community um, where people feel like they um, can enter a fair marketplace that is um, built on top of the open source technology we've created um, and not have to like compete with us or worry about us kind of like eating their lunch in some capacity. Um, and, so, and so there's a really delicate balance that we have to strike between building an ancillary service to this ecosystem, but building in a way that's value add to other ecosystem participants and doesn't scare people away. Um, and this may sound like, you know, antithetical or, or, or very hard to accomplish from like a crypto denizen's perspective, but I would remind people that um, in the open source world, this has happened plenty of times. Um, and a great example is like um, the whole kind of like uh, the open core model of business, right? And so there's, there's a whole line of businesses um, that um, are like Red Hat or um, Node Source or you know arguably things like Mongo, uh, where it's you know at its core it's an open source project. There's some sort of organization that is shepherding the development of that open source project, um, but uh, closely affiliated with that organization is some sort of business that is selling value-added services on top of that. Typically in the open source world, these tend to be like consulting services, um, but sometimes it can be like you know like cloud hosting services and whatnot. Um, and the, the way that those companies tend to kind of navigate making sure that they're, they maintain like fine line or, you know, like well-defined lines between their open source business and their actual like revenue generating business, um, is usually through like organizational splits, right? So making sure that you actually, um, put any sort of, um, brand or IP or patents or what have you. Um, or licenses under a foundation, and then you have a separate business that may be affiliated in some capacity and may have some way of kind of communicating at a governance level, um, but is distinctly separate at a legal entity level. Um, and so these are a whole range of options that we're exploring right now, um, and it's gonna be, it's, it's not gonna be easy, mm -hmm. um, but I think there's a lot of precedent of companies doing it successfully, and so we're gonna hopefully try to strike the same balance. Yeah, how, how do you coordinate governance there, right? Because you, you even call them relayers. Mm -hmm. uh, so the, the market makers, the liquidity providers that, that get um, plugged into the system mm -hmm. are not dissimilar from like a zero X type of architecture. Not at all, so, yeah. So zero X it's, is, similar, yeah. It's, it's aggregating order book data. Yeah. For you guys, it's aggregating uh, this, this origination pool. Mm -hmm. um, the key difference being that Zero X started with a governance token. You yeah. guys are, are kind of starting and, and, and centralizing the stack from yeah. day one. Um, 
you guys have done a good job, I think, brand-wise mm -hmm. in, in towing that line, and you mentioned the challenges ahead. Yeah. But um, how does governance evolve over time with, with that particular part of the, the protocol? Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, is that, like, the... It's not clear whether we need um, very programmatic governance for settlement protocols. And, mm -hmm. and I'll define a settlement protocol as being kind of like something like Dharma, like 0x, where essentially there's like this kind of shared order format um, and there's like a shared settlement infrastructure that people can build uh, different protocols on top of. Um, and so it's not it, like there, there's tons of people online who can opine about this, about, you know, like, whether something and, and, have. and have tons <laughs> about whether ZeroX or Dharma are like stateful and whether it like matters like, like whether they're kind of forkable or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna like beat that at horse, but I, I think the large kind of conclusion that you can draw from that is like, um, I don't necessarily view governance as being as much of a technical problem in um, in the case of things like ZeroX and Dharma, um, so much as just like you know, mushy human problem. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we need to make sure that all stakeholders are like in the room and that all decisions that are made are being communicated in the public. Um, that there's kind of a certain level of transparency about what's happening like mm -hmm. at the protocol level. Um, and then like, you know, the actual mechanical way that the upgrade happens, like we have a five person multi-sig that, that controls it. We have a five person, like a five token token <laughs> for, for doing it. Um, and so, um, so it's, you know, like the, the technical aspect of it is, is pretty boring. Um, it's, it's really everything that happens layers above the stack that gets interesting. Yeah, one of, one of the challenges that you guys have is, um, you know, zero action, you're aggregating order book data, mm. those uh, two ends of the market meet and, and yeah. it's kind of like an instant settlement. You have the challenge of managing orderly liquidations mm -hmm. if collateral falls Absolutely. below a, a certain percentage and, and, and what I believe is true in your system today is that you guys are basically serving as the centralized oracle, right? Um, is that something that other folks compete with you over time to become oracle services? How are you getting that reference data and, and what type of risk are you taking on just as, as a quotation service, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So, so at the moment, like the way Dharma levers relationship to the broader Dharma protocol is that in Dharma protocol, there are two actors. One is relayers, same mm -hmm. concept as zero X. And then another one is what's called underwriters, essentially the people who are originating the loans and kind of acting as guarantors of, of the borrower. Um, and so we are the latter, right? Like that is what Dharma Lever does. Like we are originating borrowers, i.e. we have this kind of like sexy website where a borrower shows up. Mm -hmm. um, and then we are acting as kind of a guarantor of the borrower insofar as we are providing some sort of price oracle. Um, and then we are essentially. Are you doing all the price, the reference data yourselves, pulling from exchange APIs? Are you using a third party? Um, so, like at literally this exact moment right now, mm -hmm. funnily enough, we're actually using the maker price feed. Uh, like okay. we're literally just like <laughs> using that. But that's that's an artifact of just where we are right now. We're definitely yeah. probably going to move to using our own price feeds in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but um, but uh, yeah, the maker price feed is a median of, of several exchanges. Um, that that you know gets updated like every few seconds. Um, and well, so I won't, I won't talk our own book too much. We can talk about this afterwards. But I know I know a team is working on some reference data for crypto. Oh, we'll come, okay. we'll come we'll come back. Oh, yeah, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you going to finish the thought? No, I mean like that's that's really the thought. I mean, uh, I think uh, basically you asked like if there's some sort of open market here. Um, the idea is that like. Anybody else gets a bit of an underwriter akin to Lever um, with their own price feed or with, you know, like some sort of differentiator that they see as being kind of like 
more trustless than Lever or uh, more borrower attractive or a better UX, the market is still wide open. Um, and this is exactly how we want it to be. I think like a huge secondary goal of why we're building Lever um, is like to actually like like prove that this open market can exist and attract other people to build underwriters and relayers as well in the network. Is, is that a risk for you guys or, or any relayer right now um, in, in managing a liquidation process or, or, or serving as this kind of centralized oracle? Because, I mean, absolutely. Because yeah. with because with Maker, it's a little yeah. bit different, right? Um, you can still make whole the the lenders through the the basically the the collateralized debt position unwinding process, like a credit default swap almost mm -hmm. for like emergency liquidations. Right, right, if right, People right. kind of fall below their collateral. With you guys, there's no there's no lender of last resort, right? So if you guys liquidate a position, yeah, and it's due to an error in the data. Yeah, um, that's on you, right? Or, or like, where where is the liability right now? It, it would have to be on the relayers, I guess. Um, the liability would likely, I mean, the person who would end up eating the loss in that case would most likely be the lender. Mm -hmm. um, with that being said, like you know, like we are an underwriter that is a business. We're trying yeah. to attract like lenders to invest in these in these products, and so um, it is in our you know fiduciary interest to like not compensate, to yeah, not to screw <laughs> up and to like compensate people when things go wrong. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you're correct, right? Like there isn't any sort of lender of last resort mechanism. Um, and, um, and perhaps we will want to include something like that in the future. Um, what I would point out though, is that with, um, with maker, I think it's more appropriate to have like a singular kind of lender of last resort mechanism because like the, the system is like a, a singular system that has like a, like a, a singular collateralization value for the mm -hmm. entire system at any given time. And like, that's the thing that like, if things go bad there and that thing like comes under collateralized, that's when it's like crucial to like lend more capital into the system to make sure that um, if it comes recapitalized, the die holds its peg. Um, whereas like um, in something like Dharma, I'm not sure if it makes as much sense to have like a global kind of like lender of last resort token mm -hmm. because it's like, um, you know, when, when defaults or, or, or errors happen, um, more likely than not, um, it's con contained to like certain loan agreements that are of a certain vintage, uh, as opposed to like the entire system at large. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think one of the things that um, you guys are doing in, in terms of value-added services, you're, you're aggregating all this information, you're serving as the price oracle. Um, for DeFi applications, no yeah. one's really gotten the tax reporting and, and like that whole like yes. science portion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like. I haven't been able to play around with the product yet, but it sounds like you guys have, have made some progress there. So how, how do you we, think about So we actually, I'll be clear, we do not have any tax reporting features yet, but it is something Portfolio we are- performance features, right? Yes, and then, yes, and then yeah, 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 A little bit easier for people to track. But it is something we 100% want to do. I mean, like mm -hmm. we, believe me when I say like we, we are, Lucidly aware of the the challenges around like tax reporting because like we, we hold balance sheet like we, we use it in our business like we literally like pay gas costs and that is like a taxable transaction um, and so like um, it's a mess right like like the entire kind of tax reporting system is a mess and so I think one of the big value added services that we want to add in the future is some sort of like extremely streamlined like tax dashboard like these are liabilities like. For what you've done. And so that's kind of a good segue uh, yeah. to my next question. 
that's very important for, I think, the retail user base that you're going to have. Now, I, I know the aspiration is to get professional traders mm -hmm. and, and funds and, and others using the system. Yeah. But we've seen with decentralized exchange, mm -hmm. that's going to take some time, right? Mm -hmm. um, that uh, centralized lending market seems to be well catered to today with folks like Bitmex and Bitfinex are kind of the old school. I, I, you know, people are going to have questions about how those operations are managed, but in, in terms yeah. of um, U.S. options, Genesis yeah. lending, yeah. Uh, half a billion in originations last year, they have a bit license, right? So, mm -hmm. so there is some professionalization coming into the space there. How, how yeah. do you guys um, see the solution versus those other custodial alternatives? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, will you guys make? institutional progress anytime soon or is that you know kind of walk first and, and then you know run once there's a little bit more liquidity in the system so I actually I would push back I think the I think you have flipped I think it's actually I think our solution is the Delta between our solution and like the next best alternative on for like retail borrowers is in all honesty like fairly low in terms of like if you're a retail trader and you're on like Bitfinex and you want to like take on margin like pretty easy um, mm -hmm. and like um, there's enough liquidity for you to do it the the prices aren't necessarily that bad um, and like you know most people are willing to tolerate the kind of custodial risk of, of operating with Bifinex um, while on the other hand if you are a you know a hedge fund and you want to take on like a several hundred thousand dollar or million dollar plus position that involves you having to borrow some capital um, basically, your main options are going to be uh, like OTC desks, right? Mm -hmm. or, or people like Genesis Capital. Um, and that's fantastic. Those are fantastic businesses. Um, but it's an extremely rote process, right? Like you're literally going to go and like send an email to somebody. Somebody is going to pop their like pop you off their Zendesk queue and like then put you in like a WhatsApp group and they're going to kind of like That's all um, that's all regulated finances. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Like <laughs> like that's that's how it's supposed to be, I guess. Um and so, you know, like I, I think that that's actually where we can provide a much better delta. I, th I think that like we can provide like an order of magnitude difference in like the speed at which you can actually access the capital. Um, we can provide an order of magnitude difference in like the transparency that you have about like the price setting and whether or not you're getting a good price. Um, and uh, obviously like an order of magnitude difference in like, you know, a lack of custodial risk. Um, and so that's actually what we think is uh, going to be like the big differentiators like that's like at the retail side of things I think it's it's fun for people. It's a cool experience It's nice to play with a DeFi product, but at the institutional levels where you actually get like material difference in the um, uh, In the comparison to the next best alternative. How much have you guys originated? So or far how much has been originated through uh, on top of the Dharma protocol in total. Oh, man uh, depends on if you define originated as like well, what, what, what are your KPIs? What are you tracking? Yeah, I'm just, so, I'm just thinking, I, I forget the, the gentleman that put it together, but it's basically um, collateralized ETH in DAI, yeah. right? It's 95% yeah. of the market or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then basically the only other ones that register right now are you guys, Compound and Uniswap. Yeah. Right? I mean, so I'd say that like prior to like doing Lever, I'd say like it was in the range of like $200,000, $200,000, $300,000 for very, very, very little. Um, but mind you, prior to Lever, like we didn't have things like margin liquidations and like mm -hmm. um, the 
the liquidity was fairly low. There's, there's a lot of issues with the system at the time. And so um, we kind of view Lever as being a new chapter. Um, with that being said, like, you know, the amount of liquidity we have in Lever right now, we have had somewhere between $200,000 to $300,000 worth of loan offers um, that are kind of ready to be borrowed against. Um, this is just since. This is just since like um, this week. No, 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 no. We've been we've been gradually. Oh, for rolling the for the out. for the alpha. Okay. We've been gradually rolling it out. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So we've been gradually rolling it out for like a little less than a month, um, and we just started rolling out borrow as well. And so we've done like approximately twenty to thirty k, um, mm -hmm. but that was like a, a few weeks ago that we just started. And so yeah, like the numbers are still very small right now. Absolutely. Um, What's the goal for twenty nineteen? The goal for 2019, we're not necessarily thinking about it in a yearly sense so much as like trying to hit certain monthly volume goals. Mm -hmm. um, and so our internal goals are uh, February, we want to originate like at least $100,000. It's a modest amount, but like we're just starting to roll it out. Um, and then by April, we want to be doing a million dollars in monthly originations okay. um, per month. Um, and so uh, we and can talk about 2019 in large, but we're like your, very short-term folks right Your now. origination fee on that is kind of the Oracle and, and with all these other services you provide is around like, Correct, points? correct. Uh, well, at the moment, we're not actually charging fees, um, okay. but we will be at some point in the future. That would seem to be a ballpark origination fee, but I was to guesstimate, maybe even a little bit yeah. Um One thing uh, that I've started to ask everybody that, that comes uh, mm. onto these sessions, mm. Um, Masari is very fundamentals focused yeah. data company. Um, we do not live in a fundamentals oriented industry just yes. yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. Just like you are, are, are building with that mindset. Yeah. Um, what are the KPIs that you look at for investing in mm. crypto assets? And, um, and what do you think is the most sustainable meme that's out there in terms of a narrative that's been uh, built around a product and, or, or, or crypto asset that has got some staying power? Oh my gosh, okay. I'll answer the latter question first because that's really easy. Um, we are big purveyors of the DeFi meme. Like, you know, like this is, uh, we are big advocates of it. Um, it's kind of, it's a little bit silly. Do you prefer DeFi or open finance? I prefer DeFi. Um, not because like it semantically be... makes more sense. It's just catchier. Like <laughs> there, there, There's going to be a battle at some point between the two crowds, but yeah. I'm, I'm still split. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, it's semantics. Um, but yeah, I, I think like the, um, I, I just, it's kind of, it's a little bit silly because I mean, you've been in the space for a while and it's like, it's always been kind of about decentralized finance. Like that was like the Satoshi white paper is literally like talking about like remittances and like cat, you know, like payback fraud and things like that, like uh, or chargeback fraud rather. Um, and, um, and so it's kind of funny that now like we've just kind of started explicitly saying that it's like decentralized finance. Um, but I, I just think that like, um, it, it's just a really like lucid, uh, distillation of what it is that programmable money is good for. <laughs> like, like it's like at the end of the day, like there are so many interesting things that blockchains do around like collectibles and like information sharing and transparency. And, like, there's so many fascinating things, but like, like, like fundamentally, at the end of the day, it's programmable money, and there's like just a lot of really interesting financial products you can create with that. Um, and so, I think I'm a big believer in DeFi as being like having a, a kind of like. Um, a powerful carry to it as, as a meme. So I would, I would agree that that's probably one of the uh, most hyped memes of 2019. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe for good reason. Yeah. Um, what are the KPIs that you, you look for in, yeah. in terms of projects with staying power? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in the DeFi space or more broadly? Just in general. Yeah. You could go into DeFi. 
Yeah, um, so I'll, I'll start with DeFi first just because like this is our space and so we think about it a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do feel actually qualified to speak about this. Um, I think that uh, for lending protocols, the, the hard thing is, is borrower origination. Um, that is like the crucial like problem to solve right now. Uh, there's actually no shortage of lender capital, surprisingly. Um, because it turns out lots of people hold crypto assets and would like to earn some sort of interest rate on them And there's just very few interest-bearing inter instruments out there and there's not really like uh, Ethereum savings accounts yet um, and so the, the, the really like the the make-or-break KPI for any DeFi project um, That's involved in lending is just borrower origination um, And with that being said the, the kind of clear breakout success there is maker um, mm -hmm. Because Maker has like actually been starting to do what by traditional finance is like pennies in terms of like borrow origination, but like is a breakthrough amount for for the crypto industry. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, zooming out a little bit, if we're talking more about crypto projects in general, I think there's a little bit of a fallacy of thinking that you should uh, value a project on the basis of like DAUs, mm -hmm. um, and this is like a bit like. It's, it's a bit of like a like naive pattern matching of like, oh, Web 2.0, like we used to like value companies like Facebook and Instagram on the basis of their DAUs, we should do the same thing for, uh, you know, like something like Ethereum in general. And I don't think it's like a fair comparison um, because like, in my opinion, a better KPI to track would be like, um, loosely speaking, like value transacted or value um, at risk or value staked. Um, and it, it's just like, um, I don't think it's an apples to apples comparison with the consumer internet. Um, and you know, eventually I think we're going we're to get to the point where we're going to want to be tracking DAUs because we're trying to make these things go mainstream, but we're still pretty far from there. Um, and at this point I think it's, it's more important for us to be tracking like how much material capital is actually being moved through the system. Good data points. Continue to track those at Masari and, and find data providers that can help us do it. Fantastic. Plug in with you guys and others. Amazing. Uh, We'd love that. We're, uh, we're super excited to test out Lever. So congrats on shipping it. Hell yeah. Thank you Always so much. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much, Ryan. Thanks, See everybody. You soon.